0: Uh, but one of the things that we see in today's matmonim is how even though the sugyot of the Gomorrah are disconnected, uh, there's no real connection between one and the other, and certainly as I select what to talk about from each, from each daf each day, there's no, uh, no pattern, no sequence in them. But nevertheless, when you're learning Torah at, from, at, at a fundamental level, when you're working with the principles of Torah, things interconnect all the time. And so two days ago, we started with this idea of nekiyut. Uh, of what nekiyut really means. And the Rann's idea that it's nekiyut ha to actually have purity of intent, purity of thought. We talked about the Mesir Hashishorim's definition of what that really means and how to practice that. Uh, and then yesterday we learned about that purity of intent in... Making a donation, as wonderful as an act of donation is, and as charitable as it is, it also depends on the inner place from which one comes, and does one really release the donation completely and, and, and release all ownership and control over the donation as one gives it to another person? Uh, in the Mishnah that we're dealing with today, on uh, the Mishnah is on Daf Yud, uh, but the Gemara we'll be doing is on Daf Yud Aleph. Um, in the Mishnah, Abba Shaul says that the Money used to build the ramp from the Besamikdash to Harazetim. So if you can picture it there, the Besamikdash, then there's the valley and Harazetim opposite. They built a ramp for the Paraduma. So whenever they had a Paraduma, which wasn't that frequently, they built a ramp and the Paraduma would be walked across the ramp to Harazetim, where it would be shechted and burnt. And that's where the ashes would be made, and the reason for that, the various reasons, the one reason for that is to avoid any tumah uh, that could affect the, the, the para or those attending to the para. So this was a an, a, a ramp insulated from tumah, so that they could walk the para straight from the beis area, from the Azara, straight through to to harazetim. That ramp, the mishnah says, could be built from public funds from the shkalim that used to be given. Abba Sheol says no. That ramp was always paid for by the Kohen Godel of the time. He built it. On that, so you would think if, they, if they're going to pay for it themselves, then we're not so concerned. We're not worried about, about the misuse of public funds. But we see, no, even if things are paid for by themselves, the Gomorrah has what to say. Rabbi Hanina, Rabbi Hanina says, Shachatzit gedola Hayta bivnei Kohanim gedolim. There was a lot of shachet is like shachetan. That's a modern Hebrew word, right? Shachetan, an arrogant, ostentatious person. There was a lot of ostentation with this practice. Because They used to spend 60 gold coins, 60 cold gold bars, to build that ramp, and there used to be a ramp left still from the previous one. But each coin Godel wanted his name on the ramp, and so he was willing to spend of his own money um, sixty gold bars to build a new ramp in his own name. And Rabbi Chanina is very upset about that. that that's that's Sanut, That's ostentation. It's arrogance, and he's and he's very upset with it. Now Rabbi Chanina is a, a very important character because Rabbi Chanina. Um, we have him both in the Bavli and in the Yerushalmi. And he was, uh, so he was born in, in Babylon and he learned and he taught in Bavel and he's quoted in, in the Bavli many times. And then at age 30 or so, he went to Eretz israel and he came here to learn with Rabbi Yehuda Anasi. Um, so he was an important link. We've spoken in this Matmonim series several times about the importance of those people who bridged eras and Rabbi Chanina was one such person. He bridged the era of the Tana'im and the Amoraim, because Rabbi Judah Hanasi closed the Mishnah. That was what, he was the last real important Tanna, and then Rabbi Chanina starts the period of the Amoraim. But some regard Rabbi Chanina as a bit of a Tanna as well, because he learnt with the Tana'im. So he bridges that period of the Tana'im and the Amoraim throughout history. The bridges of the eras have been very, very important people um so so we've got the the, the people the uh, in each generation between the amoraim and the Goanim, and between the goonim and the rishonim uh, and between the rishonim and the achronim you've got the period of the Aruch is such a bridge uh, and in more recent times the end of the achronim people like rab moshe feinstein and the chazonish and the Briskarov, these were people who were the end of the period of the achronim and the beginning of the modern period in which we are, which doesn't yet have a name, post-Achronim period. So these bridges are very important because they come with the authenticity and authority of the previous era, but they're applying that learning to the, in the language of the of the modern era of the time, and Rabbi Hanina was one such person. So Rabbi Hanina is really upset with this ostentation. It's all very well you're using your own money, but there's no reason to build one when there's already one there. Use the one that's already there, and he felt that was a sign of ostentation. Again, the inner place from which it was coming, the action is okay. You're building a bridge. You've got to build the you've got to build the ramp, but it comes from a place of self-centeredness and ego. And Rabbi Khanina is very critical of that. When Rabbi was alive, they had a coin, no, Rabbi Chanina was after the time; of the, he was just after the time of the Kengod, as we will see. They had to be wealthy to get the job. You needed to have some source of wealth, but he was also supported by the community. But he had; they usually had their their own wealth, and you know, like like we see with the appointment of judges, it's important to appoint wealthy people so that they're independent the um, let let's just go on further and we can take questions afterwards um so then we have he Rabbi rabiula Kume me rav, ravmana rav ula rabiula was learning this in front of ravmana and he asked va hat tani shimon hatzadik ste parot asalo bekeves hu tzi et ze lo bekeves hu tzi et ze itlach lema shimon hatzadik shachatz haya This doesn't make any sense because even Shimon Atzadik, now Shimon Atzadik was a Kohen Gadol at the beginning of the Second Temple time. Shimon Atzadik was also such a bridge. Shimon Atzadik bridged the period of the Knesset Hagdola with the period of the Zugot, which is the beginning of the period of the Tanaim. So the Rambam in his his introduction to Mishnah Torah tracks the, the passage of Torah from Moshe Rabbeinu till his time. And um and Shimon Atzadik is mentioned as the person who comes from Neset Agdullah. That means Ezra. So his Rabbeim, if you just think who these people were. Shimon Atzadik was a Talmud of Ezra, of Mordechai, of Chagi, Malachi, Zachariah. These these are the people that he learned Torah from and passed that Torah on to the next generation, which is now the beginning of the period of the Zugot, Hillel and Shama, Ishmael, and Avtalion, and then eventually to the to the Tanaim. So he's very important. Uh, do you want to say that he was was arrogant? He had two para-adumot. He had a long reign. He was Kohen Gadol for 40 years. Um, and the Mishnah, the Gomorrah actually says in Yuma, we come across Shimonat Sadek a few times, we'll have him in Yuma the next verse that we learn. Uh, the Gomorrah says in Yuma and Daftes that the first Beis Mikdash was up for 410 years and there were 18 kohen Gad, Gadolim. The second Beit Hamikdash was up for four hundred and twenty years, almost the same amount of time, and there were more than three hundred Kohanim Gedolim because they didn't survive Yom Kippur. They went into the Kodesh Kadoshim and they didn't come out alive, because they weren't tzaddikim. But, but the Gemara says, except for Shimon the who was, who was the beginning of the second Temple, and he was and he reigned for forty years, and he was an amazing tzaddik. The Gemara records on, on in 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 Yuma, many miracles that used to take place during his reign that were the same as the first temple that stopped after him. For example, on Yom Kippur, we've got the, the red thread that you put on the, uh, with the, uh, for the Seir, where we're doing, and it's supposed to turn white if the people have been forgiven. In Shimon Atsadik's reign, every year it turned white. Thereafter, sometimes it did, sometimes it didn't. The the, the the Western Menorah light, uh, that we put enough oil for it, for it to, to, to last 24 hours, but it doesn't always last 24 hours. But in Shimon Hatzadek's time, it never went out. The fire on the Mizbeach, they just used to put two beams on it every day, because that's part of what we have to do, is to put two new beams of wood on it. But that's not enough to keep it going all day. But in Shimon Hatzadek's time, that's all they needed. It kept going all day. The, the, the Gomorrah relates many miracles that took place during Shimon atsadik's reign, the whole period, that stopped after he died. So Shimon atsadik is such a great person, and he had two parot, and he built, not only did he build a, a ramp for the first parah, he built a second ramp for the second parah, although the first ramp was still there. So you can see clearly it's not because of arrogance. What's the reason that he did that? So the Gomorrah says... My Kadon, what's the reason? Al shame ma'alahi befarah silsuli befarah. He did well, this was honoring the paraduma. It's such an amazing mitzvah that takes place very rarely, and facilitates the use of the Beit Hamikdash. We can't go to the Beit Hamikdash now because we don't have a paraduma, and even those people who say you can go, that's only to certain parts of the Harabite, but not to other parts. And those that don't go because of, because we don't have a paraduma. So if we don't have a paraduma, we can't access the Beit Hamikdash. So having a paradum is a hugely important thing, and it was a major celebration when they found one and they had one. And this was in honor. This was not just, just for the laws of Tuma. It was also a way of honoring the mitzvah and being meticulous and careful about the mitzvah. And that's why Shimonat Tzadik did it, did it twice. The Gemara says, there's no way to think that Shimonat Tzadik could be accused of ostentation. Shimonat Tzaddik is the man, the Gemara says, also in Yuma and Dav Samachtes, there's the, the, the famous story that the Shomronim persuaded Alexander the Great. So we get an idea of when Shimonat Sarik was, 400 years before the Common Era. Uh, Rabbi is 200 years after the Common Era. Uh, they, they, the Shomronim persuade Alexander the Great to give them the Beis Amikdash so that they can destroy it. <coughs> Alexander the Great says, sure, they, they talk lashon Hora about the, about the Jewish people. And that they want to overthrow Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great says, "Fine, you can have the Beis Amikdash, You can do what you want with it." The Jewish people hear about this. This is a terrible tragedy, and they—it is just the beginning of the second of the, of the second Beis Amikdash, and they come and speak to Shimon atsadik about it. He's the leader. Shimon atsadik puts on his. Big Day Kahuna, he put on his Kohen clothes, and the Gomorrah discusses, was he allowed to, was the special situation, or did he put on imitation ones, clothes, replicas of the, of the Big Day Kahuna. But he basically dressed up in his full Kohen Godel regalia, and he took the important people of Yerushalayim with him, and he set out to meet Alexander the Great. They met at a play called um, Antipatrin, which is... Uh, Tel Afek, you know, where Tel Afek is, just next to um, Rosh Ha'ayin, mm-hmm. which is now a beautiful park. We, we visited it a few weeks ago. That's where they met. So Alexander the Great was going from the north of Israel to Yerushalayim uh, to witness the destruction of the Besamikdash, and Shimon Tzadik was going north to meet with Alexander the Great, and they met at that plate, place, at Tel Afeq. And And um, and Shimonat and, and Alexander the Great, they, they say to him, "These are the people who want to destroy your kingdom." Alexander the Great takes one look at Shimonat Zadik and he gets off his horse and he bows down to the ground in front of Shimonat Sadik. And his his lieutenants are, are distraught. What are you doing, the king, Alexander the Great? You're bowing down. You don't bow to anybody. You're bowing down to this Jew. He says whenever I go to battle, I see the image of a man, and I know I'll be victorious. And this is the image I see. I see this man. This is no human being. Uh, and so he gives the Shomronim over to the Jewish people who treat them rather badly. And, and of course, nothing happens with the, with the Beis Hamikdash. Um, and you see from there the majesty of these, of, of these people. And it's interesting that the story is Rabbi Chanina and and, uh, and and Shimon the one is Shimon Tsadik I said they they're both bridges one from the period of the Anche Knesset Dolat to the Tanaim and Rabbi Chanina from the Tanaim to the Amoraim they have something else in common as you know Rabbi Yehuda HaNasi that's the Rebbe of of Rabbi Chanina used to have a very close relationship with the with Antonius the uh, the emperor of, of Rome and Antonius used to visit him secretly. And there's a lot of interest in Chazal, which you know about where that relationship comes from, how, long, how far back it goes. Uh, but he used to come to, to Rebbe secretly and he used to learn, he used to learn philosophy and Torah from, from Rebbe. Uh, but there was one condition. Nobody was to be there when he came. It really had to be secret. One day, Antoni, Antonius Antony, the emperor, comes into Rebbe's home and he sees Rabbi Chanina there. And he says, Rebbe? We made a deal. When I come, there's nobody here. No, no human being can be present when I come. Says Rabbi, yeah, sure, no human being can be present. Oh, you're worried about Rabbi Chanina. He's not a human being. He's an angel. He's not a, he's, he, that's not a human being. So you see, uh, there's almost a, parallel, a parallelism between Rabbi Chanina in his generation and Shimon HaTzadik in his generation. So what, what is it? So now we've said, no, the reason they built these ramps was in honor of the Paraduma. So what was Rabbi Chanina's comment about? What was Rabbi Hanina saying when he said, terrible thing, they're spending all this money? You see the deterioration. So what Rabbi Hanina is saying, yes, I know that Shimonat Sadiq did that, and he did it for good reason, but there have been a lot of Kohanim Gedolim since that time, hundreds of them, and they were also building these ramps, and they were spending fortunes of money on the ramps, and that was only for ostentation, that was only for arrogance, that was not in honor of, of the... Uh, of the so, so we see from R- Shimon Atzadik at to the end of the first base amikdash, we see this deterioration of character. But it's not in the doing, they're doing all the right things. That, the Kohenim kept all the halachot, they were religious people, they knew what they were doing, and, and yet the inner place was bad. And, and we see once again this idea of Nikiyut HaMachshavah. R- Shimon Atzadik at builds a ramp, and we say, isn't that a wonderful thing? The later koanim build the ramp and we say, isn't that arrogant and ostentatious? It's not just what you do, it's why you do it. It is the reason, it's for what you're doing. And we have to check, and that's the whole Muslim movement is, is built on these ideas, to check ourselves all the time. Not only that we're doing the right thing, that's the Zahirut. You know, remember, Torah meviya lideh zihirut, zihirut is zrizut. That's to make sure you're doing the right things. But from there on, through the rest of the of Rabbi Pinchas ben Yair and, and through the rest of the it to Shorim, it's all about the internal place from which you come. Uh, then we get into Nikiyut. And the kiut, that cleanliness of intention, that cleanliness of thought, is what we're talking about. And we see Rabbi Chanina's concern that even though it's not public money, it's private money, and you'll say they can do it what they want with it. No, says Rabbi Chanina. It's not fitting for a Kohen Godel to do something so ostentatious, even though the action is one which was already instituted by Shimon HaTzadik, it's now being done for the wrong reason. Uh, and that's something that is hugely critical about.